social media is always going to be there, but it will just be not necessarily a safer space, but there'll be more knowledge surrounding it so that you know that you don't have to come into social media to be successful. You don't have to be on TV. You don't have to do that. And if you want to be a certain person that you can be that and as kind of as young teens that they remove all those limits before the limits have even are even there because a lot of my limits came from when I was younger. If I had known how to remove those limits when I was 18, I'd probably be in a different position now, but we're not really taught that. We learn to just brush everything under the carpet and not really speak about things. So where that's changing now, I just hope that that then has a fall-on effect for the younger generation. Welcome to That's What She Said, the podcast for empowering women. My name is Lucienne Shakir and as a female empowerment specialist, I'm a woman who knows what it's like to lose their mind through a lacking of female sense of self and identity. My aim is to share stories from women around the world to help you see that you are not on your own. If you feel that you are lost in the sea of who am I, these collections of conversations are for you. Sit back and enjoy listening to this phenomenal collective of female voices in That's What She Said. This week, I bring someone that I am proud to call a friend to That's What She Said. Victoria is a shining example of energy, influence and intelligence as a TV personality, beauty queen and now honing her empowerment coaching skills. Um, Victoria speaks to what lies under the beauty and creates wisdom for lots of us who um, might not know quite what it's like to live in the world that she has lived in for the last few years. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome Victoria Winterford to That's What She Said and I hope you enjoy this Today in this episode of That's What She Said, we have got the beautiful Victoria Winterford with us, who joins me um, to talk about her experiences of living a life that she loves, difficulties that she may has ha- may have had, where she's got to today, and um, just sharing a conversation today, Victoria, because you have become somewhat of a friend over the last few months. It's amazing and who would have thought all from a brand new social media platform Clubhouse and it's absolutely insane. I've honestly connected with some of the most incredible people on there like yourself and people that I never would have met really if it wasn't for that app. I don't think we would have ever crossed paths ever so I'm super grateful for it and super grateful to be here today as well. Oh, brilliant. It's so lovely to have you. Um, Right, Victoria, how would you introduce yourself? What would you say? Who are you to a wider audience? Goodness, honestly, my introductions have changed so much, I would say, over the course of eight years or so. But now I'd probably say that I'm Victoria Winsford. I'm 28 from London, Essex, and I am an empowerment coach empowerment coach yeah I've been with you on a bit of that journey to to where you are now um tell me a little bit about what brings you to that place of doing what you want to do within empowerment coaching 
for sure. So I, I've probably spent the past five years transitioning from a place of modeling, media, dancing and the arts into fitness uh, and like learning about myself within the fitness and nutrition industry and then finding that even though I absolutely adore that industry there's still something that I felt was missing and I think my love was not from just changing people's bodies and how they look but it was actually seeing them grow as a person and their mentality behind their life and loving themselves and having that real self inner confidence I think that was where I was finding my fulfillment and where I was getting the satisfaction from that job so now it's really transitioning into a stage where I want to help people grow as a grow as an individual, become the best versions of themselves, not just through body, but through mind, through spirit, through soul, just through finding those aspects of life that they really enjoy and those goals that they have and knowing that they can just achieve anything they want to achieve and that we are our only limit. So it's been, it has taken me quite a while to really find, I would say, my purpose and where I want to go, who I want to be. And it's been, it has been a journey. It's been an incredible journey, a tough journey at times, as with most of our journeys, ups and downs, roller coasters, emotions, left, right and centre. But I'm finally at a place where I know where I want to go. Brilliant. I love it. Empowerment coaching. Phenomenal. So you and I are really very similar in our desires to support others. Um, do you think, here's a question for you. Do you think that that sometimes comes at the expense of supporting ourselves? A hundred percent. I'm I'm a people pleaser. I'm an empath. I prefer to give than receive. I love buying people presents. I love giving my all. And I always say, if you're part of my circle and you're part of my life, then you have 110% of me 100% all the time. And sometimes I need to learn when to pull back. And that's something that I do struggle to do because it is just in my nature to give and to be caring and to be that individual. And at times it has caused burnout for myself because I'm constantly giving out so much of my own energy to other people that I don't really give it to myself as much. So that's one thing I've probably learned this year is to really start pulling my energy back when I need it and looking after myself a little bit more, whether that's coming off of social media a few few days or taking a few days break, especially as you know, when you're self-employed, it's quite hard to differentiate work and to have that work-life balance, as we like to call it, because if you love what you do, I don't necessarily need to find that break, but sometimes it's just necessary to take that break so that you can recharge and then give your all again, because otherwise when you burn out, you can't help anyone else if, if you're burnt out yourself. So... There's been experiences that you've had where you've burnt out in the past. Yeah, massively. My first one was back in 2015, which was probably my worst. And that was when, again, it was just before I fell into the fitness industry. That's when I was modeling and dancing and I lost a lot of weight. I developed an eating disorder. I dropped down to a severely low weight my health was an all-time low and I ended up in hospital and they did say to me if you don't change the course of what you're doing and 
and change your your life now, then you're probably going to be bed bound or it's only going to go into a downward spiral from here and deteriorate even more. So at that point, I thought, right, I need to stop what I'm doing. As much as I love it, I absolutely loved that industry and, and dancing, not so much the modeling, but the dancing industry. It was my absolute passion, but I just had to come away from it all because it wasn't good for my health. And, and so that was my first stage of burnout. And I'm really building my health from there, just not just outwardly, but inwardly. I'd lost a lot of my confidence. I didn't really know who I was as a person. I think I was always seeking that validation from other people as well. And it took me a good few years to learn a little bit more about who I was, not just internally, but outwardly as well. And, um, and that was my first state of burnout. And then I think my second state of burnout was actually just pre-COVID last year. So pre the initial lockdown, I had just come off of a TV show. So there was a lot of events and a lot of job, they weren't jobs, but it was just, again, things that I was doing, which I didn't necessarily need to be doing. I was here, there and everywhere. I had no structure, no routine. And I'm a Virgo. I need routine. I love being organized. I love to know what I'm doing. And every day was different for me, which again, I love, but I completely burnt myself out in a sense that I just lost my purpose. I lost my motivation. I lost my drive for what I was doing. And then I just had to stop everything and take a step back. And I think that was kind of my second state of burnout. That's quite, I mean, so you're in your late 20s. To have experienced that level of burnout twice is pretty significant, I would say. And I mean, you just mentioned that you're, you've got a little, a very short break of social media where you're just spending a couple of days away from social media. Would you say that you've learned now to recognize when you're beginning to feel unsettled or do you think it's a working progress? I think it's still a working progress because even now, even just on having a small few days break, I know that it's necessary for me. But I still find it difficult. I still find it incredibly difficult because when something like social media and that form of connection is part of your everyday life, then coming away from it, like I was saying, we we have our apps in the same place. And it's crazy how easy it is to log into your phone and you just automatically go to where Instagram is or Twitter is or whatever your social media platform of choice is. And when it's not there, you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize how much I gravitate towards this platform. So by just moving that app to another part of your phone, it makes you so much more aware of how much you're using it and whether you're then using it for the right reasons. And for me, I find that as soon as my to-do list, like I've got my to-do list on my wall, and as soon as I see that getting quite long and the things that were a priority are now still up there, I know that I'm procrastinating doing things that I shouldn't really be doing or spending as much time doing. So I know that by taking myself away and time mapping and realizing how much time I am spending on things which aren't of as importance if it's not I think if it's not self-care and it's something that is actually helping me if it's just wasting time scrolling if I'm not learning anything from that and I'm not developing my self-skills then I, I need to come away from it for a little bit it's fascinating so 
When you spoke about um, being in hospital and that that spiral that you faced, um, and you spoke about modelling and fitness, what do you think was creating a scenario where you were so unwell? Why do you think that that happened? So a lot of it was to do with my first relationship. The first relationship I was in was actually incredibly toxic. And I think at that point of time, I I failed to see the toxicity within relationships. I'm not saying that that individual was incredibly toxic himself, but certain aspects of the relationship led to an extreme toxic behavior and then me becoming quite toxic to myself. So I lost all my confidence. I thought I had to be a certain person, act a certain way just to gain that validation. And I ended up just one, losing a lot of weight because I thought that's how I should be, not to just conform to that specific relationship, but also within the modeling industry. At the time, it was very different to how it was now. And it was the image that was portrayed was very thin, very skinny. And that's just what the modeling and fashion industry was at that point in time, which is nothing against the industry. But for me, I wasn't, I didn't fit into that category. So I was trying to change who I was to fit into something that I was never going to fit in. So as well as that, I then got into the pageant industry. So I done Miss Universe Essex in 2015, which I won. I then went on to Miss Universe Great Britain from there. And I loved the experience. But again, because of the people around me, it just wasn't, I wasn't aligned to it. So again, I was trying to fit into something that I wasn't, I just wasn't aligned to and it wasn't me. So again, I just started losing more and more weight. Again, social media was becoming quite heightened at the time. And I was so, I would say I was so impressionable that I was like a sponge and everything around me, I was like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And this person's eating like this, so I should eat like this. And everyone's blitzing their cauliflowers, make cauliflower rice, so I should do that. And I was just so impressionable that at the age of 21, which at that point I thought was really old, actually looking back now, I just had no clue what I was doing. I was surrounding myself with the wrong people. I was putting myself in the wrong situation. And yeah, I think that's what ultimately led to me becoming extremely ill. But I always say that I'm still grateful it happened because I don't think that I would be where I am today if it hadn't happened. Yeah, I can I can relate to that, definitely. So a massive purpose of this podcast is to give voices to people who, you know, over the centuries we might not have heard from, you know, um, few, few, even as close as maybe even 50 to 60 years ago, we might not have heard the perspective of a young woman going through her modelling career and, and feeling that she didn't align to what was going on around her and therefore was very ill. So when you look at yourself today, what do you own when it comes to being a woman? What is it that you're owning? How do you feel about who you are today? I'm definitely starting to own, I would say, my personality as who I am and knowing that I am who I am. And unfortunately, I can't change that. 
But I mean, I can change that, but I don't want to change that. Why is that unfortunate? Because you have to be one of the most beautiful humans I've met inside and out. That's something I don't own. So my outer confidence is still something I'm working on. I don't don't know why. I think that's just maybe it's lifetime of habit. And I will know at some point, but that's something that I am still working on 100%. But my personality with who I am, I think I have learned that you can't really change people. So if someone's going to try and change me, they're, they're not the right person for me, whether that's friends, whether that's relationship, whether that's an employee, whoever it is, I am who I am. So I need to own that as a person. And and yes, I am stubborn. Yes, I am completely obsessively controlling when it comes to what I like to do and who I like to be around and where I like to go. And if I want to eat something, I will eat that. If I want to go and watch that film, I'll watch that film. I'm very decisive. I know what I want. But then I'm also very compassionate and I'm very caring and I'm very given. And even though there's certain aspects of that which may have a detriment to me because like we said before I give too much that's just me and that is just my nature so I just have to own that and then know how to manage my own personality myself and manage my own brain (laughs) yeah managing our own brain it's not an easy job is it managing our own brain So I want to dig in because I don't have many friends who are in the TV world. I want to dig in a little bit to what it does to you to be on screen. I've shared quite openly with you about how I feel about seeing myself on camera. It must be quite an odd experience to watch yourself on screen. I wonder if you could just share some of those things that people go through when they act out something so they're living something and then they watch it back what's that like it's really difficult at the beginning because it's like everyone hates the sound of their own voice and when you sit there and you listen to your own voice and you want to cringe and you see yourself on tv and you want to cringe but I suppose because I came from the modern industry and the performing arts industry. I was very used to seeing myself on camera. I think we spoke about this before. I was very used to people taking pictures of me and, and me being out of control of what was going to be chosen and what images are going to be chosen for specific campaigns or specific jobs I was doing. So because I, I had I had to get used to not having that control. So in the end, I was like, well, it just doesn't matter. Now, if someone takes a picture of me, I'm like, I don't really care. I don't really mind. They're like, how can you not care? I want to know what's going up. But I think that's just because I never had that control. So I got used to that. And that became okay for me. I suppose then when it came to being on TV and being on your screens, it is different when a lot of it is live. And again, you're not in control of how that specific clips going to be edited, how you're going to be portrayed, how you're going to be shown. But I suppose I always say that if you are yourself, then they can't really portray you as anything else to an extent. They can't cut. They can cut clips. They can cut words out. And they, they're very clever. I'm telling you this. They're very, very clever. But as long as you are still kind of true to yourself, then, you know, there's only so much that they can play around with. 
And I suppose it's once you find that inner piece of, I know I've been myself, so no matter what's shown, I just have to know that I was true to myself. And it's like if people think you're lying, if you're lying about something, well, if you know that you're you're right, if they think they're lying, unfortunately, that's just a representation on that person. And they're just making those assumptions and creating that narrative in their minds. But if you can keep telling yourself that you're true to yourself, what you've done is right, I think that makes it a lot easier. Um, I think because of my age as well. You, sorry to interrupt you. No. Do you get, like, support, like, going into it around around that and around how you're going to deal with that psychologically afterwards yes so we did we had um support whilst we was in the show so we had a therapist there that we could speak to whenever we want and she would check in on us I think we had every week or so we'd have a chat with her and then after the show as well obviously prior to the show they do checks and they make sure that you are fit to go on the show and then after the show is aired um they also check in every so often as well I could even go back to MTV now and say um can I have some extra support and they would support me with that so they are very good when it comes to that personally I think that because of my age and growing up I'd say without social media even though I'm only 28 I think I'm still of a generation where I didn't grow up with Instagram and, and Facebook to an extent and different all these filters and all the things that the young generation are, are so concerned to come to now I didn't have that so I think that makes it a lot easier because it was I was able to come out of the show and just kind of be like oh it is what it is what they show is what they show and I am who I am but if you're younger how it really affects the younger generation and the 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are now going on TV and going on to reality TV and they're stepping into this world, I can see how it really, really affects them. And it's quite scary. Mm. It is. I mean, you hear about people committing, taking their lives after, you know, Love Island has had a number of people take their lives through that process, let alone Caroline Flack, who, who you know, not through that process, but through that, that online trolling world really really suffered horrendously and the responsibility I suppose of the media to I didn't think we were going to be going down this media (laughs) route but the responsibility of the media to um to look after the people that it portrays on on television I think it's the case of it's not just that the media need to look after us and and everyone that's going on tv and obviously production companies but like you said before it's the knowledge that needs to be given before people enter this show I was actually speaking to a younger girl a few weeks ago and she says that she wants to do the new love island and I said to her why and she said well because of the lifestyle and and the money that comes with it and obviously the the Instagram fame and the free holidays and the free cars or meals and I said to her, but once you have that money what are you going to do with it because and she was like, I don't know. Because I think unless you have a plan of what you want to do, and if it's coming from a place of your purpose and your why, of wanting to maybe make an impact in the world and certain things that you want to change or create exposure for, that's amazing. But if it's just coming from a place of, I want to have this specific lifestyle, 
unfortunately, that doesn't last very long. And it really doesn't. And yes, you can hire a lovely car, but if you can't afford to put the petrol in it, there's no point having the car in the first place. So I think there needs to be a wider amount of knowledge now, which is maybe going through schooling and an educational system, which is showing, okay, this is the effects that social media can have on you, but not just the effects, but this is how you can deal with it and creating stronger children mentally and creating that thick skin so that when they come into this world, they can deal with any trolling and negative abuse because it is going to happen. I love I love how we can keep on saying be kind and social media awareness day, but unfortunately one day is not going to change 364 other days. It might change a small percentage, but it, it's not going to change that much. No. Yeah, it raises some really interesting points around the responsibilities that we have um, in terms of our consumption of what we're watching and the impact that that has on others as well with social media. You know, you were talking about taking a couple of days where you just came off of it um, and, and that responsibility that you have of yourself of knowing what's not helping you and what is helping you and I suppose that's where you step in in terms of empowering others right so um how empowered do you I mean I'm gonna put this really bluntly you are a woman who is just is drop dead gorgeous you know you are absolutely stunning um probably quite easily objectified how do you own that and um, and be in a position of empowerment with that level of objectification? I actually think it's quite tough and it's something that I'm still working on. And right now I, I know that I'm surrounded by the right people, like yourself, for example, who actually help you with that situation because before I didn't realize I was being objectified we're just we're we're kind of thrown into situations where it just becomes normal and women may be sexualized in certain ways or women may be portrayed to be specific types of people within the industry that you're in and oh it's okay she's only getting those likes because of the way she looks so it's okay she's only getting this amount of money because of the way she looks and and so on and actually that's not the case and I think that's why I also fell in love with Clubhouse because Clubhouse was nothing about what you look like all people would see was a small picture of yourself unless they was to go through onto your Instagram they can't really see much so that initial um, when people hear you speak, it's like, okay, I'm going to follow that person because of the value that she's bringing through her voice, not just through what she looks like. And that's what I think needs to be shown more of. And as much as I love Instagram, I love social media, and people do provide a lot of value on there, if you are a good-looking woman, it's suddenly you're put down because you're only getting those jobs because you're good-looking or because you've been on a certain TV show rather than because actually you deserve that or the morals and, and integral aspects of your life that you have are is the reason why you, you had that opportunity in the first place or the reason why you was put onto a podcast, not because of who you are, but it's what you can bring to the table. And I think it's really hard sometimes as women to take a step back and think, no, 
I know my self-worth and my self-value enough that it doesn't matter what I look like because I'm going to be successful in whatever industry I'm in. And I think we have to we have to own that more as women. And that is something that I am starting to do a lot more. But realize that it's still okay to want to be a woman. And we don't always have to be so masculine. We don't need to have that masculine aspect if we don't want to. We want to be a woman. And I know that there's so much online with regards to women just owning it and being that boss and being independent and not needing a man and but if you want to, I always say that a relationship as well, you shouldn't necessarily need that person. Like your life should be fulfilled enough on its own that that person only brings more to your life. But if they wasn't there, your life would still be just as fulfilled as it is. That person just heightens it and enlightens it at some point and then you grow together and you're both on that pedestal rather than putting each individual on the pedestal. So. I think that it's it's quite tough for people these days to differentiate between men and women because it's suddenly become very extremes rather than people just kind of creating that partnership and realising that they can be whichever type of woman they want to be as long as it's right for them. Yeah, I love that answer. That's incredible, Victoria. So I'm fascinated by this, which I'd never even given any thought to before. Um, The fact that Clubhouse potentially has helped you to step into some form of validation or power because people are listening to you and are following you because of what you say rather than what you look like. That's really powerful for somebody who's spent a lot of their life being in front of the camera. I think the reason for that is because I've always been validated by how I look. And that's never been my confidence level. I've never, I used to have body dysmorphia. I never used to like the way I looked. Again, I used to be in relationships where they would constantly want to change parts of me and, oh, that person that's lovely with blonde hair, I wonder what you would look like with blonde hair. And you constantly change aspects of your life and who you are as a person physically that you forget who you are on the inside because you're constantly trying to be this person and because you need that validation, suddenly you don't get that job. So maybe you didn't get that job because you genuinely weren't right for the role, but you see it as, oh, maybe I don't look right or maybe but it was at that point when you're in the modeling industry it's very cutthroat so you walk into a cast and they just say no you don't look right off you go so you immediately make these assumptions that it's because of a certain way of how you look and you constantly try and change that and then when you do get the job you get validated by how you look so when it's when you've spent so many years with people saying that you're doing well because of how you look it's so refreshing when you have so much to say as well it's then so refreshing people say we love your voice like we love what you have to say and I was in a room the other day and I I wanted I felt like I wanted to sit there and cry because they brought me up on stage and they were just praising me and saying how much I had to say and all the topics I spoke about, especially when it comes to mental health. And I sat there and I thought, oh my God, like people actually listen to me. 
And for me, that's madness that people actually listen and they like what I have to say. They can relate to what I have to say. And I think that that's more powerful than people looking at you and thinking you're amazing just because you're beautiful. And I'm not knocking beauty because I think every single person is beautiful. Every single person is beautiful. But you shine from the inside out. And I think if you've got people say, if you've got an ugly personality, that shows on the outside as well. These are two questions that I've never asked anyone before. And as a coach, it's rare to come across a question that I've never asked before. So do you know that you're beautiful? I want to say yes to an extent because people tell me, but I don't necessarily always believe that myself. And again, I don't know whether that's because of my past experiences with things like relationships and industries and you then like you do create a narrative and you do make assumptions and you necessarily think maybe it's because I don't look a certain way or maybe it's sometimes it's because people say you're too beautiful when people say to me you're just too pretty and I did grow up with sometimes people saying to me you're just the pretty one I'm sick of it you're just I hate going out with you because you're the one that attracts all the guys and that used to be quite hurtful because I can't change that about myself. I can't. How I look is how I look. And it's down to that person to realize that you are just as beautiful. You are everyone. You are just as beautiful. So you have to come into that. You have to learn to come into your own beauty so that you can be comfortable coming out with me and I'm not saying that I'm stunning but I mean I I don't necessarily see it but then we don't we don't know our own beauty and we will sit there and we'll criticize every single aspects of ourselves someone else will say to you you're amazing your figure's amazing your features are amazing but you will still want to change those features we are constantly striving to change something about ourselves because someone might make one comment and then we remember that one or you might look at a picture which is just taken at a dodgy angle with bad lighting and you remember that picture you think oh my gosh I need to change that about myself so it is learning that you need to just love yourself every single part of you which again is something I'm still learning to do I think most of us are learning so I've not really ever come across that many people who are so confident with every single aspect of how they look I've met a couple of very close friends of mine and they own it. They own every single part of themselves. And I love that about them. And I'm not envious. I'm not jealous. And they are absolutely stunning and beautiful. And it's like when I get to that stage, then I'll, I'll be happy. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so you you spoke about the, the body dysmorphia and we've spoken about beauty and, you know, that, that ab- objectification. And obviously this is a, 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 a woman's podcast. Well, it's a podcast for everyone, but we're talking about women's voices. I know that 
in the modeling industry, in uh, mainstream media, that men are becoming more and more objectified too. Do you see as many men struggling with um, that aspect of body dysmorphia, with eating disorders, as you do women? I I, I don't. um, I see it to an extent, but I actually think men are now being more objectified with regards to how they are living their life and having to be successful. And I was speaking to a man the other day actually about it. It was on a show. It was on a show. It was on a TV thing. And he was saying that the pressure behind a man to have to now provide that level of support, they think is so much more heightened now than it was years ago. And suddenly I think that's because, again, the industry and, and the social media world are is showing this level of, I have this car, I can afford to do this, I can afford to take my girlfriend here and here and I need to be that that breadwinner and, and we've just become very separate as people and, and men are now thinking that they need to have all of this power and wealth and success in order to be seen as a man and if you're a stay-at-home dad then your pride is lost and, and that affects your ego which I think is absolutely crazy because they see the women now taking a stance and maybe the women go to work and the men stay at home but for men I think that even though they think that that's fine for that individual. There will still be someone that says, I don't agree with that. It should be the man that goes to work and the women that stay at home. Again, feminism, etc. But I do think that there is some form of objectification when it comes to men now, but more so with regards to how they are living their life, not necessarily with regards to body dysmorphia. But then that may just be that's not what I am seeing on social media. I'm not seeing that many men with eating disorders and that are struggling with their bodies but again that's just I'm just not seeing that I'm not saying it's not there because it probably is there but I'm more seeing if a man's not wearing a certain designer t-shirt or Balenciaga trainers then that's when they're being objectified because they're like well why have you not got those designer shoes on where's for women we don't have that. We don't really get objective by, by what we're wearing. And if we want to wear high street and we want to wear cheap brands, it's actually quite nice. And people say, oh, that's lovely. It's from Primark and Topshop. But if a man's wearing Primark, they're like, why are you wearing Primark? Why are you not wearing Zara or Stone Island or whatever brand it is? So I think men are being objectified in a bit of a different way. And I don't know where the crossover is. Mm. Interesting. So there's 10 years between you and I. Um, My sister's a similar age to you. And I've also got a sister who is in her mid-teens. And I know that you've got a younger sister too. Um, What do you see for the future of our women? I'm scared. I'm a little bit worried. Um, So Myla, my sister, is six. So she will be seven this year. And my little brother is going to be nine this year. So I see her. Obviously, there's 20 years between us. 
So I'm hoping that by the time she hits my age at 20 years, we would have gone past this social media in-between limbo craze. And I really hope that by the time she's my age, she will be so confident within herself and who she wants to be and know exactly where she wants to go in life and know exactly the people that she needs to spend time around with that she won't face so much adversity that I think a lot of the younger generation are facing now because we've hit that limbo period of the people in social media now we didn't as I said we didn't really grow up with it so that's where a lot of the adversity is coming from I think the adversity is actually coming from the older generation as well because there's a a jealous aspect of if you're in your kind of mid-30s and you feel like maybe you've missed the boat with it that you wish that you had this life because you had to spend the last 15 years grafting and working just to get that one holiday yet a young influencer now can pop a couple of pictures and, and go somewhere for free and I think they wish that they maybe had that life whereas actually it's not all it it, it claims to be it really it comes with a lot of downfall as well so I really hope by the time that she's my age this will kind of be eradicated in the sense that social media is always going to be there but it will just be not necessarily a safer space but there'll be more knowledge surrounding it so that you know that you don't have to come into social media to be successful you don't have to be on tv you don't have to do that and if you want to be a certain person that you can be that and as kind of as young teens that they remove all those limits before the limits have even are even there because a lot of my limits came from when I was younger if I'd known how to remove those limits when I was 18 I'd probably be in a different position now but we're not really taught that we learn to just brush everything under the carpet and not really speak about things so where that's changing now I just hope that that then has a fall-on effect for the younger generation what a hopeful and brilliant way to end the podcast today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. You and I never have a surface level conversation. It always, and that's why I knew it was going to be great because it always goes below the surface and, and gets to the real core of of the problems that we face. Um, so Victoria Winterford, empowerment coach who has got uh, a long and wonderful life ahead of her. What's next for you? What are your next challenges that you want to overcome? So now as obviously transitioning into my coaching, I'm doing my life coaching, empowerment coaching and my social media coaching. So I'm kind of utilizing the knowledge that I have surrounding social media and really helping people grow within that, find their authenticity within their brands, within themselves and just grow the right way and organically as well so that's what I'm doing um I then want to then move into working more with the younger generation because that is where my passion lies so hopefully working a lot more within schools and the mental well-being sectors surrounding that and then hopefully having my own podcast and writing my own book and, and things like that that everyone wants to do so I'm hoping that that starts to come a bit more into fruition this year as well um 
So there's a lot that I have planned. My brain kind of does this all the time and so doesn't really know what to do sometimes. But, um, yeah, I have a lot of things that I want to do and a lot of things that I have planned. Brilliant. Well, we're all really excited for you. Um, thank you so much, Victoria, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, please do make sure that you listen along to the next episode. Um, Victoria, you have been an angel. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I'm the flyest beat, I fly Did you enjoy that as much as I did? I hope so, because that woman is just phenomenal. Go check her out, find her on Instagram, find her anywhere you like, really. I'm sure if you search her name, you will find her. She is a source of inspiration for so many, and I wish her all the best on her new coaching journey, which just is absolutely so close to my heart. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to Victoria for being here, and go and check out the rest of the episodes on That's What She Said. Thank you for joining us on another episode of That's What She Said. This is a phenomenal collective of female voices from around the world. And I'm sharing that to empower women to share our stories so that you know that you are not alone. I'm a woman who's gone through it all. Honestly, there is nothing you can tell me that I haven't heard before, either with my clients or through my own life journey. And we need to stop hiding behind a veneer of perfection. These stories are important and we need to share them loudly and proudly. And that's what we're doing on this series of That's What She Said. Thank you for joining us. I have been your host, Lucienne Shakir, and it has been an absolute pleasure to spend my time with these phenomenal women. Oh,